This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. Shelburne, Nova Scotia, was a quiet seashore town. Most of its residents were fishermen. A few were scientists working at the Oceanographic Research Station. It was a friendly place, easy to get around, and generally uneventful. But that all changed in October 1967. That month, the roads around the research station were barricaded. Locals were grudgingly let through, but only after a car search. Outsiders were turned away or rerouted. Strangest of all, the harbor around the station filled up with ships, what looked like military vessels. They just kept coming, the number growing and growing over the course of a week. The week after the crash at Shag Harbor, 30 miles down the coast. It would take decades for locals to start questioning whether the two strange occurrences were related. But once they did, an alarming possibility started to emerge that the Canadian and American governments were collaborating to hide evidence of extraterrestrial life. Are we alone? Have we been alone? Will we be alone? Stories of alien visitation have been ingrained in human history. Alien life may not be confirmed, but our obsession with it can't be ignored. Welcome to Extraterrestrial, a ParCast original. I'm Tim. And I'm Bill. Every Tuesday, we visit the marvelous and strange stories about our encounters with beings from another world. We're aware that some of these tales may seem completely unbelievable, others may seem all too real. But these stories shed light on human nature, human beliefs, and human psychology. And each story has garnered thousands, if not millions, of true believers. And for that reason, we think they're worth exploring. 
You can find all episodes of Extraterrestrial and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Extraterrestrial for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Extraterrestrial in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. This is our second episode on the October 4th, 1967 encounter in the sleepy fishing village of Shag Harbor, Nova Scotia. Dozens of spectators thought they'd witnessed a plane crash, but no planes were missing anywhere along the eastern seaboard in the U.S. or Canada. As confusion around the mysterious aircraft mounted, the Canadian government officially labeled it a UFO. Last week, we heard about a number of unusual sightings up and down the southern Canadian coastline the night of October 4th, as well as the testimony of Shag Harbor residents who witnessed a strange crash in their bay. We also heard about the military search for the remnants of whatever plummeted to the earth on that dark autumn night, a search that turned up empty. This week, we'll delve into some theories which explain what became of the wreckage, including the possibility that the Canadian and U.S. military colluded to hide evidence of extraterrestrial life. In 2017, an anonymous donor to the annual Shag Harbor UFO Festival sent an alarming statement along with his money. He claimed the government and other powerful parties were hiding the truth of what had happened 50 years earlier, on October 4, 1967. Lori Wickens, the head of the Shag Harbor UFO Incident Society, agreed with the donor, and the pair weren't alone. There was a lot about the official narrative that didn't make sense. First of all, too many villagers had seen the crash for anyone to deny that it had happened. They'd all seen those flying lights, the big splash as the object entered the water, the bobbing silhouette that slowly sank into the bay, the almost glittering yellow foam that coated the water in its wake. And unlike most UFO incidents, the Canadian government never attempted to convince the public that the sighting was a hoax. The Shag Harbor crash really happened. The question was, what happened? Skeptical villagers like Lori Wickens argued that if something went down into the water, then a thorough search of the ocean's surface and the floor of the bay should have turned it up. The residents of Shag Harbor were practical seafaring folk. They knew that the ocean didn't always readily return what it swallowed. But the bay wasn't that deep. These were relatively calm, accessible waters. Skilled Navy divers should have found whatever sank. So where was the missing object? There were two possibilities. Either it simply disappeared once it entered the water, or someone made it disappear by hiding it. The first solution is the simpler one. The object could have been pulled out by the current before the divers got to it. It could have been eaten by animals. It could have flat out vanished thanks to hyper-advanced alien technology. But it was the second possibility that nagged at many Shag Harbor residents. After all, whatever happened to the bulk of that object 
Surely some bit of it would have stuck in the bay or washed up somewhere nearby. Unless every scrap of evidence was gathered and hidden. And considering the fact that the search was led by Canadian government officials, including the police, the Coast Guard, and the Navy, the feds were the obvious culprits for the theft of whatever crashed into the water. But the suspicions didn't stop there. Strange rumors and accusations circulated around Shag Harbor. These rumors were vague, but intriguing. Peter Gorham shared one with the press. Gorham was the 13-year-old boy who allegedly saw a powerful flying light illuminate his family's garden the night of October 4, 1967. He claimed that an unidentified, meter-long cylindrical object was found the morning after the crash by the lighthouse keeper on Bon Portage Island, several miles out from Shag Harbor. The object was reportedly hot and smoking when it was found. United States officials came and retrieved it. This odd story isn't supported by any material evidence or first-hand testimony from said lighthouse keeper, much less the government. Other local legends about the crash were similarly ambiguous and impossible to verify. And so, for decades after the crash, locals remained vaguely skeptical about the official story. But their suspicions were kept alive by speculation and rumor. Families mulled over the story at dinner or discussed it at the annual UFO festival. They shared their speculation with the alien enthusiasts and researchers who came to town. But there weren't any new developments. The Shag Harbor incident seemed destined to remain unknown, unresolved, an ongoing mystery. But all that changed in the mid-1980s when surprising information about the Shelburne Oceanographic Institute leaked to the press. Shelburne was just 30 miles north of Shag Harbor. It was also a small coastal town, its residents largely involved with the fishing industry. However, the oceanographic research station at Government Point did set it apart. The area was home to scientists and researchers as well as fishermen. But before 1985, locals had no reason to think much about the station. After all, boring academic research was happening behind those official-looking doors. Nothing of interest to the average fisherman going about his daily business. But on March 1st, 1985, the press got a hold of a piece of news that radically revised local understanding of the research station. The story was that a so-called clique of lesbian officers had been fired from a top-secret military base out of fear that they might be blackmailed for their sexual orientation. It made headlines mostly because it was a sex scandal. But Shelburne residents took note for another reason. The base these officers worked at was located in Shelburne, Nova Scotia. The story brought to light that the Oceanographic Research Station wasn't just conducting academic studies. It was involved in a highly classified project that used magnetic technology to probe the Atlantic Ocean for Russian submarines. And until 1969, just after the Shag Harbor crash, it was operated by a joint team of U.S. and Royal Canadian Navy personnel. This case shed a new light on the UFO crash. The Canadian government had been hiding something back in 1967, 
something that involved the U.S. Navy, too, and was suspiciously close to Shag Harbor. There was no indication that the research station had anything to do with the crash, at least not yet. But after decades of vague suspicions, locals and UFO researchers finally had a concrete line of inquiry. Perhaps the Shelburne Research Station was the crucial puzzle piece that had been missing all along. The puzzle piece that would finally fill in the gaps between the government, the crash, and aliens. Coming up, UFO researchers connect the dots between the Shag Harbor crash and a strange military investigation at Shelburne. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. For decades after the Shag Harbor UFO crash of October 4th, 1967, locals and UFO researchers alike wondered if the government was hiding something. It seemed frankly bizarre that a thorough Coast Guard and Navy search hadn't turned up a single scrap of the ship so many townspeople had seen crash into the harbor. Then, nearly two decades later, in 1985, these skeptics finally had a concrete piece of evidence that the government was hiding something. They'd been operating a top-secret military base 30 miles up the coast from Shag Harbor outside Shelburne, Nova Scotia. Could this military base have had something to do with a cover-up in the aftermath of the Shag Harbor UFO crash? And if so, were they hiding evidence of extraterrestrial life? UFO researchers were determined to find out. One alien enthusiast in particular decided to devote himself to the case. His name was Chris Stiles. Stiles set out to interview everyone he could possibly find with information on the Shelburne military base and what happened in October 1967. Slowly, by piecing together interviews with residents of Shelburne and the surrounding area, he was able to craft a strange story. Something very strange occurred at the Oceanographic Research Station in the days following the Shag Harbor crash. The roads were blocked off by official personnel, and locals were only allowed through after a car search. On top of that, area residents could see ships gathering in the harbor around Government Point. They noted six or seven vessels, all vaguely military-looking. This flotilla lingered for about a week before finally disappearing back out into the Atlantic Ocean. Coincidentally, mere days had passed since the Shag Harbor crash. The timing didn't mean much to witnesses at the time, but Stiles saw a clear connection between the inexplicable wreck and the flurry of activity that began the next day, 30 miles away. Stiles was also able to get testimony from ex-military personnel who worked at the station, and it only deepened the mystery. According to his book, Dark Object, the world's only government-documented UFO crash, Stiles spoke with several men who'd worked a job at Shelburne back in October 1967. 
These men reported that a mix of American and Canadian military personnel were called up to Government Point in the days following the Shag Harbor crash. They were there officially to examine what they were told was a Soviet submarine. It was apparently submerged in Government Point Bay. Most of the work would be done by Navy divers. They descended into the waters of the harbor. They pulled back up pieces of something that looked like foam, apparently from the harbor floor. Not sea foam, but solid chunks of foam-like substance. Some of these bits of material were quite decayed. According to some reports, the divers took photographs underwater, although there's no record of these pictures or where they might have gone. And finally, the divers were strictly forbidden to talk about what they saw. It wasn't long before many of the military personnel were questioning the official line that they were in Shelburne to deal with a Russian submarine. One of these skeptics was a Royal Canadian Air Force officer who worked with the Navy to identify aircraft parts. He looked at the nuts and bolts of fallen aircraft and told the Navy exactly what kind of plane the parts came from. Stiles identified the officer only by a pseudonym, so for story purposes, we'll refer to him as Brad. Brad simply couldn't fathom why he'd been called in on the Shelburne job if, as the higher-ups claimed, the object was a submarine. He knew nothing about submarines or their parts. He concluded that the Navy was lying about what was at the bottom of the harbor. Whatever was submerged in the water had to be something that flew. The fact that the Navy divers were forbidden to discuss their work only convinced Brad further. There was something highly classified going on, and it involved a downed aircraft of some kind. Brad was never given any pieces of the wreck to identify during the week he spent at Government Point. But he was confident in his assessment that whatever was under the water was an aircraft, not a submarine. One ex-Navy diver, who we'll call Abe, took Brad's assessment one step further. Abe, like Brad, worked the Shelburne job, but he was one of the divers. He went down into the bay, and he saw what was hidden beneath the waves. On the phone with Stiles, Abe provided a startling statement about the site. I don't know what it was that was down there, and I don't know where it came from. But it didn't come from this planet, I can tell you that. Now don't call back. This vague but menacing quote confirmed for Stiles that something went on at Shelburne in the aftermath of the Shag Harbor crash. And that something seemed distinctly extraterrestrial, at least to Abe. But it was hard for Stiles to draw a clear, coherent narrative of what the Navy saw and did at Government Point. More than anything else, what seemed to unite all the interviews he conducted was anxiety. It seemed that the classified nature of the Shelburne event, even decades later, was still keeping lips sealed. No one wanted to really talk, not in detail. So Stiles was left with a vague but enigmatic portrait of the week following the Shag Harbor crash, as are we. But there are some fair conclusions to be drawn from Stiles' work. Something went on at Shelburne in October 1967, something involving a submerged craft, 
Something involving both the American and Canadian navies. Something highly classified. But what does that tell us about the Shag Harbor crash? UFO researchers like Stiles have come up with the following narrative linking the two events, using mostly conjecture to connect the facts. The mysterious craft that crashed at Shag Harbor was swept out to sea, then up the coast toward Shelburne. The Navy, using high-tech submarine tracking equipment at Government Point, would have known this, but they decided to keep whatever was in the water a secret. The search crew they sent up to Shag Harbor beginning on October 4, 1967, was just a diversion to cover up the real, final location of the object at Government Point. As for what happened to the craft, UFO researchers point to newspaper reports from October 1967 about a special U.S. Navy barge with an atomic furnace. The nature of this atomic furnace is not specified, although some have suggested that the term refers to a nuclear reactor. We do know that the barge stopped at Shelburne for repairs on October 6th before continuing on its journey to Rochester, New York. The barge, researchers suggest, could easily have been stopping to haul away the crashed UFO. This narrative is compelling, but the source material for the story is somewhat suspect. Stiles' interviews provide the majority of the evidence, and his book doesn't use unimpeachable journalistic methodology. Most of his interviewees are identified by pseudonyms or first names, so the quotes Stiles gives are impossible to verify. On top of that, he never found any government records to back up the stories his interviewees told. But the number of people interviewed, including both civilians and military service people, does lend credence to the heart of the story. That is, something was going on at Shelburne in the week following the Shag Harbor crash. But we can't say for sure whether it involved a Soviet sub, a downed UFO, or something else entirely. The connection between the Shelburne incident and the Shag Harbor crash is likewise impossible to verify, considering that it's mostly based on conjecture. But the matching timelines of the events and the short distance between the towns, just 30 miles, do make the theory an appealing one. The barge that stopped in Shelburne for repairs on the 6th of October, two days after the Shag Harbor crash, also lends support to the narrative and it provides a plausible explanation for the missing craft. Finally, the whole theory does explain the most mysterious part of the Shag Harbor UFO incident, the fact that not a scrap of the crashed object was ever found in the waters around Shag Harbor. There was nothing to find because the object was at Shelburne. And then, soon after, it was trawled away to America, never to be seen again. But one major question that the theory doesn't do a great job of answering is what exactly the submerged craft was. While a few of Chris Stiles' interviewees insisted that what they saw at Shelburne was no earthly vessel, these assertions have no factual evidence to back them up considering that none of the interviewees explained why it seemed like an otherworldly craft. They may, however, have had good reason for their guess, because some elements of the strange saga of Shag Harbor 
are very difficult to explain without aliens. Coming up, we'll take a look at the whole Shag Harbor incident and assess whether or not what happened was extraterrestrial or if that was a cover-up so the government could distract from an even more volatile secret. Now, back to the story. Through interviews, intersecting timelines, and a few educated guesses, UFO researchers were able to connect two mysterious incidents. The first was the October 4, 1967 Shag Harbor UFO crash. The second, a Navy investigation 30 miles up the coast at Government Point, outside Shelburne, Nova Scotia. Officially, seven or so Navy ships were at Government Point to deal with a Russian submarine at the bottom of the bay. But many of the men staffing the Navy boats weren't so sure an ordinary sub was lurking in the water. Some of them were convinced it was an aircraft. Others believed that the vessel was otherworldly, extraterrestrial. We talked a bit about why the Shelburne story, though lacking in hard evidence, does seem plausible and even connected to the Shag Harbor crash. The claims that the vessel the Navy was examining was alien, however, require a bit more analysis. UFO researcher Chris Stiles argued that the ship was propelled up the coast to Shelburne by its own engines. For that to have happened, the vessel would have needed some extremely unusual technology, perhaps extraterrestrial energy. If you recall from last episode, a host of credible witnesses all reported what they invariably referred to as a crash at the Shag Harbor Bay. The legitimacy of these sightings was never questioned, not even by the Canadian government. And the witnesses didn't see a light, gentle landing. The impact was catastrophic. That vessel didn't have the capability to propel itself anywhere, not even the short 30 miles up to Shelburne. Not if it was a regular airplane, anyway. If it was an extraterrestrial vessel, however, all the pieces fit together nicely. After the crash, the craft used advanced alien technology to keep moving, but eventually ended up stalled at Shelburne, where the government kept their discovery of the alien vessel top secret. There is another explanation for this move, aside from magical travel. The crashed object could have been pulled by tides and waves out to sea, and then back in towards the shore at Shelburne. There are some issues with this idea. If the object was bumping along the craggy Nova Scotia coast, it would have likely left some debris in its wake. Of course, this theory has even less corroboration than either the Shag Harbor crash or the Shelburne investigation. The move is purely speculation, a theoretical idea presented by UFO researchers. But if you disregard the idea that the craft moved by itself or was pushed by waves from Shag Harbor to Shelburne, you end up with another, more compelling possibility for the true nature of the Shag Harbor crash someone else moved it. Which brings us to our next theory. The Canadian and U.S. military were hiding a Cold War-related submarine, missile, experimental weapon, or spy gadget of either North American or Soviet origin. We know that something crashed at Shag Harbor. We also know that no one who witnessed the wreck reported a UFO. They all claimed they'd seen a plane go down. 
And perhaps the object was closer to a plane than an alien starship. Remember, 1967 was the middle of the Cold War. The U.S. and the USSR were engaged in a race for the stars and for superior technology on Earth. Both sides were developing new technologies ranging from atomic weapons to wacky gear, including crude spy satellites that ejected film canisters at high altitudes. Canada, as a close ally of the U.S., was wrapped up in these Cold War technological experiments. We need look no further than the Shelburne military base for evidence. It was a high-tech facility dedicated to using magnetic technology to search for Russian submarines, and it was run by Canadians with the help of the U.S. And like the Shelburne military base, most U.S. and Soviet technological experiments were top secret during the Cold War. So, if one of the U.S. or Canada's experiments accidentally ended up in Shag Harbor, they'd have had to keep it secret. Or if one of the USSR's technologies made it all the way to Canada, they'd have wanted to hide it as well. News that a Soviet weapon or high-tech spy gadget had made it to Canada would not have looked good for the U.S. wartime image and might have incited real panic in North America. And if the U.S. and Canadian militaries had something to hide, a logical place to do so would have been the Shelburne military base right up the coast. Especially considering that the base's purpose was to search for Soviet incursions into the North Atlantic. It was explicitly intended to do Cold War-related work. If the crashed object had something to do with the Soviet Union, that would also explain the fact that the U.S. Navy was, according to several witnesses, involved in the Shelburne operation. As the chief enemy of the USSR, any Cold War-related Canadian incident would immediately draw the attention of the U.S. As for why the Canadian government officially labeled the crash a UFO, or unidentified flying object, the move may have seemed like the government's best bet for diverting attention from wartime secrets. Because, after all, what's more distracting than aliens? The label drew attention to the event, but a mysterious crash seen by scores of people had already done that. The excitement and speculation around the potential alien sighting easily overshadowed more sober theories. We know for a fact that the CIA encouraged the idea that some Cold War-era secret military planes were UFOs to avoid revealing state secrets. So there's plenty of precedent for this theory. So there is a viable explanation for the Shag Harbor crash that doesn't involve aliens. And remember, we actually started today's episode with a third possibility, the simplest one, which has been around since the crash happened back in 1967. This theory suggests that no one was lying about what they saw on October 4th, not even the government. It takes all the official facts of the story at face value. It agrees both that the crash happened and that federal officials never found anything explaining what it was. While Chris Stiles' research certainly did a convincing job of linking the Shag Harbor and Shelburne incidents, 
He never provided any hard evidence for that connection. It's entirely possible that whatever happened in Shelburne in early October 1967 had nothing to do with the Shag Harbor crash. And that whatever plummeted into the harbor was simply dragged out into the Atlantic Ocean and lost amongst the waves. It's hard to fathom that the entire object could have been so quickly lost. But the ocean is a powerful entity. Many times throughout human history, it has swallowed surprisingly large objects whole. It took researchers over 70 years to find the wreckage of the Titanic, the most enormous and iconic ship ever sunk. It's also worth mentioning that the expedition that finally uncovered the wreck in 1985 was actually a cover for a top-secret U.S. Navy search. They were looking for two missing nuclear submarines. The Cold War cover-ups were no joke. But the point remains the same. Those missing nuclear submarines were yet more massive, high-tech objects lost in the endless Atlantic Ocean. It's not that hard to imagine that the craft that fell into Shag Harbor is still resting on the ocean floor somewhere, awaiting discovery. Until then, this hypothesis is nothing more than speculation. It is worth pointing out that none of these theories have any cold, hard proof. They all take into account the facts available and make educated guesses. So what can we take away from this strange, unsettling crash? Let's go back to the core idea that something crashed into the water at Shag Harbor around 11.25 p.m. on the night of October 4th, 1967. On that count, we're in agreement with the UFO researchers, the Shag Harbor witnesses, and even the Canadian government. It happened. Regarding the Shelburne Naval investigation, we're pretty convinced that that happened too, thanks to the witness testimony Chris Stiles collected in his book. There isn't any hard evidence connecting Shelburne to the Shag Harbor crash, but the location and time make potential links compelling, if circumstantial. But regarding the nature of whatever crashed into the water, there are a lot of details about it that can't be easily explained away. Although witnesses initially thought the object was a plane, there were no aircraft with documented flight paths near its route, nor were any airplanes reported missing after the object's crash. This could be because the craft was an experimental ship flying a test run for either the USA or the USSR. But if it was the same downed vessel that was later examined by divers at the Shelburne base, then many eyewitnesses doubt the ship had earthly origins at all. While we simply can't be 100% sure, and there are other viable possibilities, we do think there's a fair chance that the mysterious vessel that crashed into the Shag Harbor waters was something extraterrestrial. It's credible if far from proven. Ultimately, with one being very unlikely and 10 being highly likely, we give the alien theory a 7 out of 10 on our believability scale. But the case still remains shrouded in mystery. We don't have any information from the Canadian or U.S. governments confirming any of the most convincing explanations for the whole affair. To this day, the Canadian government simply acknowledges the Shag Harbor incident as a UFO sighting, emphasis on the U, unidentified flying object. 
They've even doubled down on that designation in recent years. In October 2019, the incident was featured on a new collector's coin as part of a Royal Canadian Mint series called Unexplained Phenomena. Unexplained. It's clear the feds are happy to revel in the fact that the mystery has never been solved. And Shag Harbor residents have had to make their peace with that. As one local put it, I can't tell you what came down or what landed in the water, if it was a plane or if it was a UFO. I don't know. But there definitely was something that came down out of the sky and landed in the water. I can still see it. I'd like to see it again. I really, really would. But I don't know what it was, and I probably never will. But with every year, more government documents from the Cold War era are declassified. There's still hope that eventually the real story will come to light, supported by plain hard facts. For now, though, the truth remains elusive and the possibility that aliens were carted off from Shag Harbor to Rochester, New York, remains on the table. Thanks for tuning in to Extraterrestrial. You can find more episodes of Extraterrestrial and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals like Extraterrestrial for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Extraterrestrial on Spotify, just open the app and type Extraterrestrial in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast network. We'll see you next time. Extraterrestrial was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Russell Nash with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Carly Madden. This episode of Extraterrestrial was written by Nora Battelle with writing assistance by Maggie Admire and stars Bill Thomas and Tim Johnson. 